Since we have begun our walk through the epistle of James, we have been challenged to be doers of the word, to not be partial to the rich, to tame our tongues, to humbly submit to God, and to patiently wait for the Lord's return. In today's passage, we hear James's conclusion to his teaching on living faith with a firm call to prayer. I invite you to pray with me. Gracious and loving God, as we turn to your word for us, may the Spirit of God rest upon us. Help us to be steadfast in our hearing, in our speaking, in our believing, and in our living. Amen. Encourage one another with these words from James chapter 5, verses 13 through 18. Are any among you suffering? They should pray. Are any cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up, and anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human like us, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth yielded its harvest. Friends, this is the word of faith that we proclaim. Thanks be to God. Amen. The 4th century historian Eusebius ra uh, relates a story about James from the lost work of Hegesippus. Oh, I knew that was going to happen. I practiced that all week. Hegesippus. Hegesippus. During the 2nd century. In the course of outlining the persecution of the church in his ecclesiastical history, Eusebius gives us deep details about the life, ministry, and death of James. One detail that Eusebius gives us in his writings is that James was frequently found in the temple on his knees in worship and prayer. So much so, Eusebius tells us, that his knees became hard like those of camels. Among his varying epitaphs, such as James, the half-brother of Jesus, or James the Just, history has also nicknamed him Camel Knees due to his fervent prayer life. James knows firsthand what the prayer offered in faith can do. The recipients of James's pastoral care are experiencing spiritual weakness, spiritual weariness, spiritual exhaustion, and spiritual depression, as well as dealing with the suffering and sin that accompanies it. In the final words of his letter, James encourages the suffering believers when he shares the relationship of prayer to comfort, restoration, fellowship, and power. 
James first addresses the relationship of prayer to comfort. In his writing, the present tense of the verb translated he must pray suggests a continual pleading with God. When life becomes difficult, when believers are weak in faith, weary from persecution and crushed by affliction, James tells us to keep on praying, to continually plead with God to provide comfort. Joseph Scriven was a man whose life was full of tragedy, yet he knew continual prayer to be a basic spiritual truth as evident in the words from his pen in this beloved hymn. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden? Cumbered with a load of care, precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. In verse 13, James goes on to tell us that those who manage to maintain a cheerful attitude in their suffering are to sing praises. The suffering and the happy, the broken spirits and the rejoicing spirits are both to pray. The first is to plead with God for comfort, while the latter is to sing praises to God for comfort given. Both the prayer offered in the form of lament and the prayer offered in the form of praise are essential for spiritual strength and comfort. In verse 14, James speaks to the relationship of prayer to restoration. Just like the word suffering in verse 13, the word sick that we find in verse 14 does not translate to mean sickness of the physical nature. Here, James moves beyond the suffering believers in verse 13 to communicate characteristically those who have become weak by that suffering. These are believers who have been defeated in the spiritual battle, who have lost the ability to endure their suffering. These are the fallen spiritual warriors who have tried to draw on God's power through prayer but have lost motivation and have fallen into sinful attitudes. Having fallen spiritually, these Christians need the help of the spiritually strong. So how do they go about receiving this? Did you catch this? Did it catch your attention in the scripture? The spiritually sick are not to wait on being sought out. No, they are to go and seek out for themselves the spiritually mature and draw on their strength. Now, I feel this is a very important time for a little review from chapter 3, when James reminds us how our tongues are two-sided. It is important to remember that if we use our words in judgmental slanderous, or unloving ways, a brother or sister who is feeling defeat in the spiritual battle may feel us to be unapproachable, leaving them helpless. But language rightly used in God's service empowers the sick 
to call on the spiritually mature of the community to pray for them. Those who are sick are not helpless, but charged with asking for the help they require. Likewise, the spiritually strong are expected to come to the sick and pray for them and anoint them with oil. Anointing the sick with oil may well have been that the elders in the time of James literally rubbed oil on believers who had suffered physical injury or wounds to their bodies from the persecution they endured. In ancient days, and much more so today, anointing of weak and defeated believers symbolically conveys the responsibility of the spiritually mature to stimulate, encourage, strengthen, and refresh the spiritually sick. When offered in faith and in the name of the Lord, James tells us that the one who is sick will be restored. We are all familiar with the old adage, confession is good for the soul. Dietrich Bonhoeffer agreed. He once said, a man who confesses his sins in the presence of a brother knows that he is no longer alone with himself. He experiences the presence of God in the reality of the other person. He goes on, as long as I am by myself in the confession of my sins, everything remains in the dark. But in the presence of a brother, the sin has to be brought into the light. In verse 16, James also reminds us that prayer and fellowship go hand in hand. He begins with the word, therefore, which serves as a transition from the sins of those believers who suffer from spiritual defeat to addressing the congregation as a whole. He is urging all to continually confess our sins to one another and not wait to the point that our sins drag us into the depths of utter spiritual defeat. James knew the natural tendencies of the human heart. He knew that sin seeks to remain private and secret. But God wants it exposed and dealt with in the loving, and the key word here is loving fellowship of other believers. This is why James called for mutual honesty and mutual confession. Maintaining open, sharing, and praying relationships with our brothers and sisters in faith will keep us from bottoming out in our spiritual lives. James tells us that the purpose of the mutual prayer is for spiritual restoration. We are to pray for one another so that we may be healed. From the prayer that is lifted among the fellowship of believers for one another, James moves on in verses 16 through 18 to tell us that prayer is powerful. We know this to be true. Many of us have been witnesses to the power of prayer in our own personal lives as well as in our community life here at Heritage. In these verses, the word effective translates energio, from which we get the English word energy. James is conveying that the energetic prayers of the righteous or spiritually mature are a potent force in calling down the power of God for restoring struggling believers to spiritual health. 
James uses an example that his readers will well know to illustrate his point. He reminds them that Elijah, though a prophet and a man of God, was a man with a nature just like ours. The Bible recounts of Elijah's being hungry, afraid, and depressed. Yet, when he prayed earnestly, remarkable things happened. James specifically uses the drought recorded in 1 Kings chapter 17. Elijah's prayers both created and ended a devastating three-and-a-half-year drought. And while 1 Kings records the drought, it is only James who gives us its duration and links it to the prayers of Elijah. James tells us Elijah prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth yielded its harvest. The picture of rain pouring down on parched ground perfectly illustrates God's outpouring of spiritual blessings on the dry and parched souls of struggling believers. Author and pastor John MacArthur told the story of one of his most memorable experiences that occurred when praying for a student that came to see him. He said, he had been studying for ministry, came from a strong Christian home, was very skilled as a student, and had all the characteristics for leadership and effective service to the Lord. But he had often lost the struggle to some reincurring temptations and had suffered some rejection and unjust criticism. He was struggling and losing. He confessed to me that he had lost the will to read the scripture and had no heart for prayer. Finally, he sought me out to pray with him and for him, that through my prayers, God might grant him the power and victory he longed for, but had no heart to pursue. I asked him to kneel with me side by side using two chairs. I will never forget what he did. As I knelt with my arms and head down on the chair, he laid himself not on his chair, but across my back, placing all his weight on me. This was a humble gesture of the dependence he was placing on me to be his strength. Tearful prayer and confession were followed by much joy as God heard my prayer, and in the days to follow, he testified to strengthening grace. He completed his course nobly, and went on to serve the Lord. Friends, being a part of the community of believers means we have the privilege to comfort and restore with the power of prayer and fellowship with one another. May we value this privilege, and doing so, may our knees become hard like those of camels. Amen. Okay, well, this is chapter 5, the end of chapter 5, and it's the completion of our study of the epistle of James, and I will be honest with you, you can see how it makes me emotional. Um, this has been a hard one. 
and it's been very convicting. And um, it's one of the hardest in-depth studies I've ever engaged in because it was very convicting. Um, but I stand here today and can truly say that for myself, James has been life-giving and life-changing. Um, so friends, I invite you to join me in responding in prayer to God's holy word through his servant James. Let us pray together. God, who spoke the world into being, we thank you for these words from your servant James. May they move in our hearts, compelling action, transforming us into people of word and deed, people who are peace-loving, kind, considerate, merciful, and sincere. We are reminded by James of our tendency to speak too quickly, of our ability to burn forests with a word, to turn a ship with a phrase. Holy Spirit, give us self-control to be people who are slow to speak and quick to listen. We are warned by James not to show favoritism. May your spirit fill us with loving kindness toward our neighbors, poor and rich, young and old, beautiful and homely. We have heard James's warnings to the rich. God, we rich, middle class and poor request your wisdom to guide how we use our money. We need wisdom for every aspect of our lives. So we ask in faith that you provide it, for we all are in need. We have to submit to you, God. May our friendship with you color every aspect of our lives as we seek to draw near to your love. We are corrected by James for our tendency to forget the harmony of faith and work. Jesus, may your life be an example, your words and teaching in combination with your acceptance of the outsider, the sick, the poor, and the despised. And today, Lord, some of us are troubled, and so we pray that you will right wrongs heal relationships, provide work or vocational guidance, and comfort us with your spirit. Some of us are sick, or our friends or family are sick, and so we pray for healing, for perseverance, for wisdom and medical choices, for patience in the face of suffering. And we are reminded that all good gifts are from you alone. And we praise you for our gifts, the resources you've given us to serve you and to build your kingdom. The way your spirit is at work here and in each of our lives. The gifts you've given that simply delight, stories, music, jokes, hugs. We praise you for people who have, in our own lives, brought us back to your path. And we pray for those we know who have turned from the grace that you give so generously. We are reminded by James 
to persevere under trial. And so we ask for perseverance to stand the test and for patience as we wait for your final redemptive act. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen.